Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news relating to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. To participate in today's program, our guest call-in line is 646-716-4972. And now, here is your host of Lickin' on Lending, David Lickin'. So good to have you with us, everybody. Appreciate you, and I'm looking people dialing in literally from all over the country. And it's so good to have you joining us. We appreciate you making this your way, one of the ways, one of the many ways to get an update on what's going on in the industry. We get so many comments about us being the best workout app out there. So we work out and, and get uh, boned up on what's happening out there, get smart on what's happening in the industry. Uh, great way to keep on top of everything. Great resources out there. On today's Hot Topic segment, we have as our special guest, Bill Dallas. And he's an icon in the industry, someone who's been all over it. And uh, I'm really looking forward to this interview, especially when you look at all the companies he has started, what an entrepreneur he has, what a forward thinker he has been. And I'm really interested in getting his insights into what are the opportunities that lie before us, which is, of course, the title and how we're promoting this Hot Topic broadcast. So we've got Bill Dallas dialed in, and will be joining us in the second half of the top in the Hot Topic segment. Again, this broadcast is created by mortgage professionals for mortgage professionals. And we're the proud recipient of the Progress in Lending Innovation Award. Thank you very much to Tony uh, uh, Garitano and the team there at Progress in Lending. We're honoring us with that. Special thank you goes out to our sponsors. Uh, I also want to just point out that that with the first sponsor is United Guarantee, and uh, they are ready for the private mortgage insurance eligibility requirements that are effective December 31st, 2015, at the end of this year. And uh, you need to check to make sure. I suspect most of the companies are going to be the most of the independent. I mean, the uh, IMBs. Uh, excuse me, uh, the PMI companies out there. Too too many initials in my head today. Uh, too many of the. Um, Private mortgage insurance companies are going to be ready, but these guys are well ahead of it. If you look at their capital requirements, how well they're positioned, very solid. And they're the number one insurer in the United States, and for good reason. But anyway, their requirements are considered um, as a commitment to being ready for all future events, and the company strives for to be uh, second to none in terms of financial strength because the lenders that rely on United Guarantee can count them in, count them as a solid financial partner. To learn more about the private mortgage insurance eligibility requirements and UG's efforts to be compliant and be in line with it, go to their website. Check it out at www.ugcorp.com. So I'm going to remind me, you don't have to say all the W's, Dave. Okay, ugcorp.com. Check them out. Yeah, especially when the W's get all tangled up in my teeth. Anyway, it's good to have you. Or contact a local United Guarantee salesperson. Again, United Mortgage. Uh, mortgage insurance underwritten by United Guarantee Residential Insurance Company. I think I'm ready for another cup of coffee. Another special thank you goes out to VELMA, which stands for the Virtual Electronic Marketing Assistance. They're dedicated to helping you get a stronger and more profitable relationships going with your the, your targeted audience. They have a wonderful set-it-and-forget-it auto campaign feature that has the ability to create custom auto campaigns on the fly. And then set it and forget it, or you can really get in and dial into some specific messaging, and they're great at helping you with your messaging. They're a great partner, and we're pleased to have them as a partner to this radio program and many other things that I do. Check them out. The nation's easiest, most affordable, powerful marketing platform 
that I've seen use it, and I think I use it, and I think you should too. Also, special thank you goes to Motivity Solutions. They're the leading business intelligent technology company in the nation, providing real-time reporting as well as dashboards and scoreboards. Motivity Solutions Mortgage Business Intelligence delivers real-time powerful analytics, enabling mortgage lenders to proactively monitor and manage operations across their enterprises. Check them out at MotivitySolutions.com or call them at 303-721-9000. Special thank you goes out to all our sponsors, and of course to Alice and Joe, who are with us again today, who are uh, sponsors of the program by the virtual fact that they make this a big priority of all their all that they do. We also have on the line Paul Malo, who'll be sharing with us his uh, headlines that's going on, and Joe Garcia. I mean, excuse me, <laughs> Sam Garcia. Uh, anyway, good to have you all with us. It is definitely Monday. I'm going to sip on a cup of coffee as Joe Farr gives me an update on all yeah. that's going on in the markets out there. Joe, good to have you with you us. You need a little break after all that, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to get you got to get through it, but it's but it's also you got to thank these guys. I mean, you know, you, you know how much time Absolutely. to do this, and I'm so pleased to have these sponsors be a part of what we're doing. So, and it's good for them. We're adding more sponsors. More people are knocking on doors saying we want to sponsor your program. We're seeing the reach you're having. But anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about what's happening in the markets. I looked at a nice little bit, a little rally going on there, but it's pretty much down to neutral. Well, give it, we we gave it away. Yep. Yeah, we're back to where we ended ended the day on Friday. Uh, MBS prices had improved uh, around noon Eastern time to being up four thirty seconds on the day, but since then we have uh, uh, that's been given back, and we're back to uh, unchanged. Uh, stock markets uh, uh, are up uh, a little over a hundred points right now, and you know some of this is a little surprising. Uh, wouldn't have surprised me today if we'd come in and seen a little flight to safety happening. But the markets have handled the events in uh, Paris in stride, and and so uh, you know it ha- has not carried over into our financial markets. Um, the data that came out today was a little weaker than than expected. Uh, didn't have a big yeah. Im- immediate effect. The New York Empire State Index came in uh, down ten when a down five was expected. But yeah, you know, it's just a regional manufacturing uh, event, so it wasn't a big wasn't a big deal. Uh, last week, Dave, we saw a nice reversal of the trend. You know, we'd seen for two weeks running uh, uh, following the the. October 28th release of the statement following the Fed meeting, we'd seen some pretty dramatic drops in MBS prices and increases in mortgage rates. And uh, uh, last week we saw that reverse just a little bit. We uh, wound up having mortgage rates fall a couple basis points during the week. Uh, they had risen about 20, though, during the, the two weeks prior to that. Uh, the biggest move last week came following Friday's release of the retail sales number. Uh, both retail sales and, and inflation came out on Friday. Retail sales ex-auto was expected to grow at four-tenths and came in only at two-tenths. Uh, core PPI came out Friday as well. It, uh, it rose a tenth during the month and, and, and uh, expected rise a tenth, and it fell three-tenths. And for the year, it's amazing to think that uh, – uh, core PPI, which is excluding food and yep. energy, showed inflation of one-tenth of a percent for the year. Now, if you add in food and energy, it shows that prices have fallen over the year by 1.6%. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and all that's due to the drop in oil prices that we saw. Um, you know, with the Fed being so data-dependent, 
you know misses like what we missed uh, uh, like the miss on the retail sales was uh, you know pretty good for MBS prices just like the the Friday before the miss uh, on the uh, on, on the, the low side of the jobs report yeah. was pretty negative for mortgage prices so uh, that'll stay true until we get to the next meeting. Uh, last week we also saw jolts that showed an increase in job openings. We saw uh, new jobless claims were about steady with the week before, and consumer sentiment came in a little higher than uh, than it had been. Uh, and then this weekday we have a, a, a couple pretty big. major events. Yeah, uh, tomorrow event. we have CPI coming out at 8:30 yeah. Eastern time, industrial production, then at 9:15 Eastern time, and then and then the uh, National Association of Home Builders. Uh, survey comes out at 10. Uh, then Wednesday, housing starts, and, and the big event of the week probably is going to be the minutes of that two, that 1028 Fed meeting. Uh, we've seen, I, I say this every time, but we've seen uh, a number of Fed speakers come out and say what they think about the uh, the economy and the, the likelihood of a Fed increase, at, whether it's necessary now or, or not. And so it's hard to imagine there'll be much new news in these minutes, but well, it's, it's moved the market each of the last few times it's come out. Uh, and then close out the week on uh, with uh, Philly Fed and jobless claims on Thursday. Lots of lots of good stuff here this week. It could be really interesting. I'm really interested in CPI. We saw the job strong the strong job growth number uh, a week ago Friday, and and, uh, and big wage inflation in there too. Yeah, and and so and those combine, you know, increase the fears and concerns that we're going to see a rate hike as early, that they're going to follow through with the threats of a rate hike uh, in December. And then if we see the CPI come in with any hint of inflation in there, then, you know, it's, it's a, is it a certainty? Well, we don't know. But you look at what's going on in the platform, I think we are going to see a potential, much stronger potential for a rate hike. But I think it's going to be short-lived. We're going to be back into quantitative easing something else because of what's going on in Europe and what's going on with China. So we'll have to see. But, you know, no matter what happens, folks, you need to have a service that can keep you up to date on what's happening real time. And that's Joe Farr's MBS Quote Line. If you want to learn how to get signed up for it? Stay tuned. Listen to this ad. We'll be right back after this short break. Looking for that competitive edge? MBS Quote Line delivers live market coverage for originators. Get up-to-the-minute mortgage market news and analysis as events occur. Get MBS prices as trades happen. Straight to your computer, email, cell phone, or PDA. Know in advance when your investors will reprice. Make better lock float decisions and increase your income. Be the expert your clients expect. And know what's moving interest rates right now, tomorrow, and beyond. MBS Quote Line. Delivering live market coverage for originators. Learn more about MBS Quote Line today at mbsquoteline.com mbsquoteline.com 646-716-4972 The Lincoln on Lending Show is back. Here is your host, David Lincoln. Yep, and we are back with Paul Mallow. Good to have him back on the broadcast. Miss it when Paul's gone. I'm having to read these headlines and and I always try to get up to date on what's happening, but Paul, it's good to have you back. I know you're not going to be with Thanks, us next David. week, but it's good to have you back here whenever you can be. Looking at the, your website, for those folks that are not familiar with this, most of you are, but if you're not, www.imfnews.com. Check it out. It's a great resource. It gets emailed right to your inbox every single day. And uh, Paul and the team there do a great job of covering some of the top headline stories. So what you got for us today? Well, no surprise, the big news, uh, the uh, MMIF, the FHA, that's the uh, Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund, 
the news is out. The audit's out. It's contained in the report to Congress, and basically they're at 2.07%. Um, that was a surprise to some, but not all. Uh, there were predictions that the thing was going to go over 2%. They're supposed to be at 2%, but they haven't been there in like eight years. Uh, so now the question, of course, becomes, um, you know, hey, is there going to be a premium <laughs> cut? And yep. boy, I got to tell you, that's the lead. The, the, the second story is, is is the numbers. The first story is about the cut. And uh, you know, I know several trades groups are, are chomping at the bit. They're saying, "Come on, cut premiums, cut premiums." There's no secret the realtors uh, want a premium cut as, as well as some other trade groups. Uh, and not basically, and yeah, not likely. Ed Golding, both Ed Golding, who's more or less over FHA, and HUD Secretary Castro told reporters this morning that uh, not at this time. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, next year is an election year. You know, maybe the fund starts looking good. There's political pressure. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, politically, uh, someone right. pointed out to me, you know, these guys are at 2%. Uh, you know, uh, first time in eight years, and look at Fannie and Freddie. They're at zero point zero six percent or whatever it is. Right. Um, you know, that puts your 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 national housing market, your government guarantee, you know, in, in a precarious place. I mean, and the story that you know we're working on constantly, as well as everyone else, is you know the capital cushions of Fannie and Freddie, which fall to zero in 2018. And what if they have a large hedging loss and they have red ink and they need another, you know, line of credit from the Treasury? Uh, so all this is intertwined. So I would guess at this point you could rule out a premium cut for now. And the question is, how long does for now uh, cover? Um, interesting story. We'll continue to watch that. Uh, Brandon Aviv, our staff, has a story about QM volumes are on the rise. Uh, Impact Mortgage, uh, there's numbers out. They did apparently 48 million in non-QMs in the third quarter. Another active um, non-prime lender we write about quite often is Citadel. They're always kind enough. Citadel Loan Servicing, they're kind enough to share yep. their numbers with us. That's Dan Pearl's shop. They're they're yep. definitely a shop to watch. Uh, and sort of in the non-prime, well, commercial space, Silver Hill, which is part of Bayview. They rolled out a new small business commercial program. They're now taking applications. They'll fund mortgages in the range of 250000 to a million. That includes multifamily, office, self-storage. Uh, Silver Hill is owned by Bayview, as I pointed out, and Bayview's uh, investors include, among others, the Blackstone Group, which has right. got its tentacles all over the mortgage industry these days. The Blackstone, as we've been reporting for a while, has been buying mortgage companies left and right, though they haven't bought anyone lately. Um, and the big story on Friday, which isn't in today's, and I'll just mention it quickly, is about the Loan Depot IPO uh, falling apart. Uh, that was a big, big story uh, last week, and that was uh, we got a lot yeah. of page views on that one. Uh, and then uh, one last story there from George Brooks uh, about the population of young veterans uh, going up because of all the wars we've had and, and unfortunately, the current wars we're going to keep having. Uh, but it Increases the pool of potential VA borrowers, yeah. and that's so that's a boon for the VA program. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and that's the long and short of it. Uh, there is short text which I won't get into except for the very first item. Right away after the audit came out this morning on the MMIF, uh, the U.S. Mortgage Insurance, which covers uh, most of the MI companies, the trade group, they of course right. said, uh, "I think you need to hike. <laughs> I think you need to hike that minimum about 4.5 percent." 
Uh, that's not surprising, <laughs> but uh, you know, no. it's pretty cheeky of them right away. To, you know, they didn't they didn't wait. I mean, they didn't even wait like an hour. I think they got it out within 20 minutes. Uh, you better hike that minimum to 4.5 percent, not 2.0. So that was uh, that was. Do they see something coming that we don't? Hmm, interesting. Well, listen, I, I talked to there's two or three guys who I can't name who talked to me confidentially. Predicted. Listen, I think we're going over two percent. Um, oh, okay. I think Brian Chappelle. That was I didn't have a. a a non uh, um, non disclosure with Brian Chappelle, but I think he might have been one of the ones as well telling other people uh, that he thought it might go over two percent, and it is. It's over two percent, not by much, but yeah. it's there. Not by much. Yeah, very interesting. I think the interesting story last week was the Lone Depot. Now, I mean, that sounds as you get into hearing more about that story, it sounds the the CFO, you know resigns after some period of time. I haven't had a chance to go in and take a look, but I got a call from a lot of reporters on that asking my opinion on it. So it's very interesting to see uh, that that one. That and, and then you also look at you know their their official statement was is you know it's just not getting enough out of the uh, they're not hitting their targets on right. what they're hoping to get. And so but there there's more to that story, a lot more to that story. So Yeah, we'll be Good. diving uh we're doing a deep dive on that one this week. It'll be in the Thursday. That edition. one will so there's, be there's a lot more be, there's a lot more to that one. A lot more drama in that one. It could be yeah. very interesting. I think that's the reason it's good to do that is because you look at companies that – I think the IPO markets is a great way. I think we're going to see more of that happening. It's one of the comments ahead of this I was saying. But I also was aware of the drama within, and I sense that there's going to be a real opportunity for um, this to be a great case study for anyone that is wanting to do an IPO down the road in the mortgage space. Mm. Whatever you do, make sure you're in good terms with your CFO before you even think about that. Rule number one. So anyway, lots of stories there. Good luck on that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Check out imfnews.com, Paul Mollo, and the team there, George Brooks, and the rest of the group. Great group, and they do a great job bringing you updates on what's happening. Alice Alvey, good to have you with us, as you always are, and uh, give us an update of what's going on in uh, the world. You know, TRID, I'm really interested on the TRID topic. What's happening with TRID? Well, as you can imagine, people are now, you know, really up to their eyeballs and trying to get mm-hmm. into closing the trade loans. And, I mean, we've heard stories of pretty high-level executives having to go around all their branch offices to do training. You know, that it's, it's uh, the way I'm describing it right now is it seems like people internally trying to manage this aren't able to let go enough to get help. They're so pulled into the fire drills every single day on line-by-line questions, you know, and closers Mm -hmm. are not trained well. The closers did not make the curve um, in a lot of these companies, and they're finding that out the hard way right now that um, somebody at a pretty high level needs to be eyes on as the documents are being prepared uh, because the closers are still trying to get around this concept of their role and the changes in the numbers, and you're trying to untrain what they did for years and train them in a new process. And so I think that's where the struggle is, uh, seems to be today. So maybe many of you are nodding, going, yeah, I'm not, you know, I didn't get my three days. <laughs> but I keep, I keep trying to save hope. You know, you didn't just magically get three days by moving your process sooner. Uh, it took a lot of organization and efficiency you would have had to add to gain the three days. So anyway, we're here to help. You know, just a little quick plug there if you need some help. We've uh, become experts in loan closings and efficiencies on that part. So uh, that's my note on TRID. I do want to add a little bit. So Paul brought up about the uh, 
the FHA actuarial report that came out, say that five times fast, on mutual mortgage insurance fund. I like that report because it has some great sales tips in there and underwriting in terms of where the market's at. So if you had to look at FHA loan volume, now in 2015, it's tracking with 2004 volumes. Uh, the market share that FHA has is back to what it was like in 2008. And then the three biggest states are still California, Florida, and Texas. And their credit scores really are in that upper 600 uh, to even 800. So they've got, you know, 83% of their business is above a 640 credit score. So those of you who think mm. FHA is a low credit score product, uh, you're in the minority in terms of how much business you're actually putting in that part of their pipeline, and it'll get watched. So just a heads up about that. The report has some good little facts in there about, you know, where their business is headed and you can line that up with how you're underwriting and what your market share looks like. One quick note I do want to add is about this FFIEC released its new um, IT management booklet, and it's on IT governance. So we are a technology company, and we have to live and die this, and this is so complex. You know, in mortgages, we talk about compliance all the time on the front end, right? Did I get this form signed by this person on the right day? Well, on the IT side, the mortgage lenders are becoming much more complex, and so you really do need to pull this resource back out. It's very comprehensive. Uh, back in vendor management, Dave, you remember when Andy and I were talking a lot about yeah. vendor management, trying to get yes, people to pay attention to this? I feel like this is in the same bucket. People go, yeah, yeah, there's somebody else somewhere pay, uh, paying attention to this. But this does say management is accountable for identifying, measuring, and mitigating IT risks. This has to happen at a corporate level. And then you're also supposed to provide independent, comprehensive, and effective audit coverage of all your IT controls. So, you know, just another place to spend money in mortgage banking. <laughs> so that yeah. was published <laughs> on November 10th, and you want to pull that back out and make sure you've got that under control at your company. Um, FHA had its new mortgagee letter, 1527. We're excited to see that spot condo approvals are back. FHA, basically look at this mortgagee letter as it did lighten up a few things. Owner, uh, second homes are going to be included in the owner-occupied uh, percentages, so that's a big win. And then um, also being able to look at the recertification process for the condos will be much smoother. Uh, it's not going to be an entirely new approval process for the HOAs. Um, so good news on the FHA condo front because that definitely is a product everybody should take a look at. Uh, we have some helpful cheat sheets, actually. We're happy to give out for free on that that we put together on good. how to actually help a homeowners association get its FHA condo approval. So feel free to send me an email if you'd like some free stuff. So that's my report for today, Dave. Excellent job, Alice. Thank you so much. Alice's email address is alice.alvey. A-L-V-E-Y, at Indicom.net. Indicom is I-N-D-E-C-O-M-M.net. Or you can go to the website, mortgage-u, mortgage-u.com. Check it out. Alice, thank you so much for being with us. Look forward to um, just seeing your participation as we get close to the interview with Bill Dallas. Coming up right after the ad break, we've got Sam Garcia. Some great information, some of the headlines he's following. Again, the first half of the broadcast, we try to bring you up on speed and everything going on. And always look for ways in which we can do this better. But we got Sam coming up right after the ad break. We'll be back with you in just a brief moment. If you have questions about mortgage regulations, Indicom Mortgage U has free answers. If you need ideas about how to reinvent your organization, 
Indicom Mortgage U will share great ideas. When you need help at any step of the loan process, give us a call or send an email. The Indicom team of experts have been helping mortgage players from origination through servicing for over 30 years. Your success is our focus. Whether it's a quick question or long-term support, portfolio, conventional, or government lending, it's a competitive market. So let Indicom Mortgage U give you the edge. It's good to have you back with us, everybody. There's a lot going on in the industry, and uh, we'll be talking about some of the conferences coming up right after this, uh, after Sam's uh, uh, update on what's happening. Sam Garcia up there in Dallas, good to have you back with us. Again, sorry to hear about the Cowboys, but uh, that's the way it goes, you know. Just Yeah, how you doing? My, good, good. I was, we were both mourning the Baylor Bears they lost, as well as my Seahawks last night. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, what can you say? Just move on. But the Lions <laughs> won in Lambeau Field. That was the headline. <laughs> that, that's huge. That was huge. <laughs> that was so <laughs> true. <laughs> uh, we may have to bring you in a football report and see if there's a football index that has an impact on mortgage rates as to our, how our mortgage bankers feel anyway. Sam, what do you got for us today on the headlines? Looking at your website, by the way, for those of you who don't know about it, go out to MortgageDaily.com. I'm going to overcome this www thing. MortgageDaily.com. Sam, good to have you with us, friend. Hey, it's good, and uh, thanks for uh, clarifying I'm not Joe Garcia, but it's a good Mexican <laughs> yes, restaurant, but uh, Sam. I'm Sam. I am Sam. And, and, you I know, am. I, I, am. <laughs> I was, uh, when I was in San Diego at the NBA, uh, I actually came up to came to a meeting outside the Starbucks at the Hilton there, and uh, I didn't even recognize Bill Dallas sitting talking with the person I was going to meet with, so I wish I'd, I had and could have said hello to him in person, but uh, it's good to be able to say hello on the phone. Um, yeah, we've got guy. a we we put out our mortgage market index last week on Friday, and we saw that business fell six percent last week. Uh, these are these are uh, based on average per user rate locks by clients of open close. Um, it was the second consecutive weekly decline, and more significantly, jumbo activity sank forty three percent last week. Mm. Um, uh, FHA. Our HUD put out a, some temporary new guidelines last week for condominiums. Um, first, it made the condo recertification process more streamlined, and secondly, it uh, made second homes or will consider second homes that aren't investor-owned to be considered as uh, owner-occupied units to help with the owner-occupancy uh, ratio. So that's uh, good short-term news, and I think they're going to try to make that permanent over the long run, but for this point, at this point, it's just a temporary move to help with uh, condo financing. Stonegate uh, in an SEC filing last week, Stonegate Mortgage said that it sold branches last month. Um, in addition, an estimated 47 locations are expected to be closed in the fourth quarter, and it already closed seven branches in September. So they're doing some yeah. significant cutback on that uh, retail branch system. Um, we put out a uh, story about mortgage-related conferences and events we do pretty much every month, and. We just did a count uh, just from November to January, which is which are pretty slow months. Um, our mortgage cal- conference calendar has over two dozen mortgage-related events on it for those three months. So there's still a lot to go to. And in fact, I think you're going yeah. somewhere this week yourself, aren't you? Yep, I am. I'm doing the the warehouse conclave at the Texas Mortgage Bankers Association, putting on. So I'm driving up to your fine state or your fine city here this uh, afternoon to do that tomorrow afternoon, and then hurrying back to the office, getting getting work done here. But yeah, that's going to be exciting. I'll talk about that in just a minute, but it's good. 
Uh, CoreLogic uh, put out a, a report, and it indicated that 90-day delinquency was 3.4% as of September on mortgages. That was the lowest rate since December 2007. Uh, nice drop. Um, on the on the foreclosure front, Realty Track reported that completed foreclosures in October were down 9% from a month earlier. On the other hand, uh, foreclosure starts were up 12%. So it got a few mixed signals going in there. Um, here's a story uh, that came out last week, and that is that Neil Kashkari, who was a key architect of the TARP, um, and of course was a uh, candidate for California's governor, has been named president of the Minneapolis Fed. And he starts that new job on January 1st of next year. Mm-hmm. Um, that was interesting. And, yeah, that was. Uh, also, uh, you know, to add on to the FHA report about the FHA capital, uh, David Stevens at MBA, who of course was the Federal Housing Commissioner under in the Obama administration, um, he put out a statement that uh, indicated. Although uh, home equity conversion mortgages account for just 10% of FHA's book, um, they actually have been responsible for a large part of the value swing in recent years. So it was just an interesting tidbit that he brought up, though he was fairly positive overall about uh, where they stand at this point. Um, And it was interesting that the the U.S. mortgage insurers put out that statement because uh, their statement, you know, of course – went back to FHA, FHFA's requirements that they have to, their members have to basically increase their capital and capital, and they're saying, hey, wait a minute, shouldn't this happen for FHA also? But, uh, uh, and then yeah. finally, uh, uh, today, J.D. Power put out its U.S. primary mortgage origination satisfaction study, and that indicated that uh, mortgage originators, and these are, you know, the biggest in the country that they're tracking, right. uh, they had a score, they call it a mortgage origination customer satisfaction index of 793, and that was up from a year earlier, 786 a year earlier. So uh, mortgage originators are doing a better job, uh, you know, at the wholesale level, I'm, I'm of course, I'm talking about retail originations. Um, and then uh, for the sixth year in a row, Quicken Loans was ranked highest on that list. So uh, they just continue yeah, to do well, both on the origination and on the servicing, which they've been topping that list, too. Yeah, so, uh, they, that, they do an outstanding job. So that, that covers uh, most of the big headlines first for the last week. Good job. Appreciate the opportunity to have you on each and every week covering the headlines at your things. It's a nice compliment to what Paul is doing over there. I really appreciate your website, and I'm in it and logged into it most of the time and encourage our listeners to do the same. Be sure to check it out, mortgagedaily.com, or you can reach Sam Garcia, not Joe Garcia. <laughs> Sam Garcia. <laughs> Sam, I am at 214-521-1300. Sam, thanks so much for joining in on us. It's always uh, really appreciate our affiliation, and you do a great job of bringing out the news. Thank you, Frank. Thank appreciate you so it. Much. Thanks, David. You bet. All right. Well, and that's, one of the things that I wanted to save to this part of the broadcast is what's going on as it relates to the uh, conferences, what's going on. I'm changing up the order a little bit. Uh, we have, the, and Sam mentioned it in his segment, we have the uh, Texas Mortgage Bankers Association Warehouse Annual or the Annual Warehouse Conclave. And what this is is where the top warehouse lenders in the nation get together and they come into a room and it's really designed for the warehouse lenders, but TMBA, the Texas Mortgage Bankers Association, is letting people in to listen to that. I've been uh, honored to host or to not host uh, to moderate that again. Uh, for the second year in a row, and it's a lot because of the way we do the radio program. We make it very conversational, so we've got some 
great uh, panels. We're going to be focusing on e-notes as well as risks generally to the warehouse community. Very interesting discussion. It starts at noon tomorrow at the Weston Galleria in Dallas, Texas, if you're in the area or attending the TMBA's uh, educational conference that's going on at that time, check it out. Look forward to having you there. Come on. The walk, I always love it when you guys walk up to me and say, hey, listen to the radio program all the time. Real big compliment. Very encouraging. Also going on this week is the Accounting and Finance Management Conference. Andy Shell is not on the broadcast because he's traveling there in an airplane right now to speak at that tomorrow. And Andy will be our special topic, hot topic guest next week to give us a report from the Accounting and Finance Management Conference. This is an MBA conference that's there at the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans. Then also we have the Independent Mortgage Banking Conference in, at the Omni Hotel in Nashville, Tennessee. Very important conference for all the independent mortgage bankers. Probably, it's probably one of the most best attended independent mortgage banking conferences. All the booth space already sold out. Uh, I think the conference has actually got probably one of the highest attendances it's had for a while. So very exciting. Uh, be sure to be there. That is December 2nd through the 4th in Nashville. If you're not signed up for it, get out to the conference. Then finally, I want to, another conference I want to make you aware of is the, the January 21st, 2016 MBA Mergers and Acquisition Workshop. My old business partner, Chuck Klein, will be speaking at that. And a great update on all that's going on. Appreciate you being here with us each and every week. And uh, one of the things we like to do is spend the second half of the broadcast, and we're just tipping over to the bottom of the hour, so we're going to start heading up to the top of the hour by interviewing an icon in the industry, someone that I have had the privilege of knowing for many, many years. Again, I had three mortgage companies that I was, uh, I was a partner in. I was owner, president, and CEO of two of them, and then uh, a partner in another one there in Irvine, California, and uh, had the privilege of getting really getting to know Bill Dallas during my California days, and uh, just a great competitor, a great individual, someone I really admire. And, uh, you know, I thought I was a serial entrepreneur, and now I'm looking at what uh, his resume and all that he has done. Folks, he just absolutely eclipses almost anybody out there. So he takes super uh, – uh, entrepreneurial, serial entrepreneurial uh, levels to a Uber level, so as I said on the website. But anyway, joining me today, uh, joining me on the day is Bill Dallas. Bill, good to have you here with us, Fred. Hey, how are you? It's good to have you here. You know, I keep thinking with all the things that you've done that you'd go to retiring, but I think one of the things I admire most about you is that you keep on going. And because you, you're obviously, you look at you, and I, I just had a chance to see you at the uh, Tony, Gar- uh, Tony Moss's event here, Merrick Catalyst in Austin, and you meet you, and you just you look at how healthy you are. You're obviously keeping yourself in shape. The lights are on someone's home, and, I mean, you look at your eyes, and you just vibrate and radiate with energies and ideas, Bill. So it's, I'm really excited to have you be sharing your perspective on the market and the, really the opportunities that lie ahead. But to give up some of our listeners who may not know you, it's hard to imagine they don't, but for those that may not, let's get back and cover a little bit of your background and it's certainly, we could spend two broadcasts just covering all that you've done and the lessons you've learned. But let's run through some of the things you've done. I've got a timeline. And, folks, if you have not been to the website, go to Lick and Eleni. You'll take a look at a lot of the slides that are up there that he provided. I couldn't get them all in there because of limitations. But, uh, Bill, it's good to have you with us. Give us a little background on yourself, uh, how you got into mortgage lending, how, what, what started you here, and then some really – give us a high-level what your, your journey through this for the last, I mean, how many is it? I think one of your slides you say you have 80,000 hours <laughs> in this industry. That's crazy, brother. Uh, well, I'm not on atypical for most of the people that I know, you know, in the space or been here for a long time. But an Ohio kid raised in a very poor part of Appalachia, 
uh, in southern Ohio. Went to school undergrad at Bowling Green. Uh, mm-hmm. Athlete, you know, and so played three sports in high school. Uh, recruited to play three sports in college. Uh, went to a Division One school to play baseball at Bowling Green. Uh, basically, learned a lot about myself. Uh, I think growing up, and and I and raised by two educators. So really lucky to come from a blessed Christian. Uh, household in southern Ohio where both my parents were a little atypical, both had degrees, both were, uh, my dad had a master's degree and was a superintendent of schools and my mother was a teacher. So I think it it's a little bit why I'm involved with Oaks Christian and I've been chairman of a university. Uh, I think education, training, mentoring, all those things are important. Uh, but like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm going to die with my my guns uh and my boots on and so i think i think i just go at it from i'm i i love what we do in mortgage and i and it's meaningful work because of what we do for consumers and it's just amazing for me to be uh in it every day you know i one story that one of my favorite stories is jack guntag is a good friend and and he's you know, I met him in 85. He started, he met me and said, I hear you're an entrepreneur. I want to start a business. So I said, how old are you, Jack? And he says, I'm 85. Why do you ask? I said, well, how long do you plan to live? Most people plan on dying at that age and are planning their grave plot. He says, oh, no, I plan to live. I said, how long? He says, at least until 90. Why is that? He says, I have a five-year business plan. I had dinner with him in <laughs> Philadelphia here a little bit ago. And at 92 and a half, Bill, he's starting another business to help bring clarity to the um, – to the reverse mortgage market, and we went to dinner with he and his wife, and it was just so much fun to see someone. If I saw, and you've got a lot of years. We both. I've been at it 43 years. You've been at it for a good number of years. It's we both got some, we got some things to give back. I, I say, it, I think we're just figuring it out to the point where we could actually make a solid contribution back. But you have made. A well, contribution. it's like somebody so about- somebody said I was, you know, I'm a I was a CEO at age 20s, right? So, and I knew yeah. nothing about what I was doing in the mortgage <laughs> business, and and so. I think now that I'm in my 50s, I'm I'm at a point where, you know, I'm good at what I do, and I really enjoy it. And I think that's probably the thing that 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 means the most is that you can make a mark in in the business as well. Well, I love the values that you have. That's one of the things we we just are grounded by mutual values, and I just love that about you. But also the entrepreneurial background. So. Just to give you some idea, let's run through quickly some of the companies, some of the notable companies. There's too many to go through all the, all the way through, but give us give our listeners a little bit uh, a background on some of the things you have. First, Franklin is probably one of the ones that are you you're well known for. Yeah, uh, but a lot of you have Skyline. Yeah, think, We're going to talk about some of the new things, but give us some a little bit of a journey there. Well, I think like most uh, mortgage people, right? You you can start. So I started first Franklin on Franklin Street in Santa Clara, while I went to law school uh, at Santa Clara University, and so hedging my bets just in case I was a really crappy mortgage banker. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, it became probably – I learned everything about culture, about building a business, about uh, growing uh, – a rapidly growing business. I, I really learned – and a lot of it is from – I'm a CMB uh, uh, as well, but a lot of it I learned uh, about uh, how important it is to have the relationships and things that you develop – uh, within the MBA, and so mm-hmm. as I grew my business, I I, I really grew it, uh, understanding that uh, capital and dealing with capital partners uh, was really important. So my first business 
started with $10,000 and ended up selling to DLJ uh, Merchant Banking in 1994. I was one of the first companies to really ever sell to a merchant banking or a PE firm right. or a I remember that. Or, you know, nobody had ever done that before. And so my brother and I who had started the business monetized. It was a traditional business much like um mortgage banking is today, traditional by I mean uh Fannie Freddie Jenny. It was mostly at that time conventional. Uh we retained our servicing book at the time. Uh, servicing was an off-balance sheet asset. It isn't, a, as it is today, a derivative asset, so it was totally different business. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, that business grew and grew nicely to where it was, by the end, we were probably doing $3 billion a month. So it was wow. a very large uh, mortgage company. And then I think as I as I began to learn, and really what we could talk about a little bit today was the importance of products, because I think where we sit right now is we sit back to probably circa uh, early 80s, uh, because mm-hmm. we have Fannie, Freddie, and Jenny, right? Everybody's a traditional, nobody, we're all originators, very few people are retaining, there seems to be a big movement, there's very little jumbo, um, and remember almost all the end of the 80s, we were we were creating jumbo conduits who were trying to explore whether it's Prudential or RFC or you know IndyMac or REITs. Everybody trying to figure out Redwood Trust, which started back then. Everybody was trying to figure out non-conforming. Today's what I would say would be non-conforming, non-QM. So I think you can – and then I spent the next real – probably from 94, 95, 96. 94 was interesting because I think you had uh, six or seven interest rate increases. And from, I can remember it like it was yesterday. You know, in October of 93, I was doing a billion a month of 30-year fixed rate loans. And by January of 94, I was doing $100 million of HELOCs with RFC, right? Interest rates go up, things shut down. And and then I create. I basically spent the next 15 years really creating the 100% purchase loan. Oh, yeah. everybody used it. It it fun. It really made First Franklin a household word. I sold that business to National Citibank. Uh, actually, actually, I sold it first to to DLJ, then bought it back, then sold it to Bank yep. of America. Then they merged with Nations Bank. They didn't want it, so I then sold it to National Citibank and then started own it. Uh, a similar business uh, with my with my same partners, CIVC partners, uh, and off we went. Closed on it in December of '06. Uh, Merrill Lynch had bought First Franklin, and Merrill Lynch ended up buying own it. And so it was really a an interesting time. And then I was at ground zero of really the what I would call the the mortgage uh, meltdown, I guess is what people call it today. I, I looked at it as a a seminal moment in my career because I <clears throat> was smart enough and had enough acumen to to really read what was happening to our book of business and to read what was happening to the product itself and uh, exited the business in December of '06 and then that led me to where I am today with Skyline New Leaf well, and Cloud Virga, which is yeah. Let's talk about that. Let's try and give some uh, give, give some insights into some of the things you're doing, and then I really am interested to in get into. I'm going to toss the mic to uh, Joe Farr here in just a minute, uh, but I want to get into some of the things related to what you're doing. If you give us a brief overview, three companies uh, again you mentioned them, but if you could run through those real quickly so our audience, 
and, and for those of you who are listening to this, a lot of people are really interested in historical stories about people's lives. How do certain people succeed? How do they keep just you know just going up? And I think that's what your story is, Bill. I mean, it's not to say that you haven't had some bruises along the way. We all have those, but it's, those are pointing the defining points. You learn from them. So from what you've learned, you've now got Skyline, a new leaf, and then you also cloud. Uh, very good. I want to hear about that. Give us some insights into what you're doing. Yeah, I think it's, you know, uh, thank you so much for the kind words. I think the thing that I've learned the most is that uh, I use a formula that I've used to my people. Anybody who's worked for me can recount, recant the formula, right? They they can, and it's C equals uh, with a equal to or greater than. Uh, uh, so C equals yep. DFR. And I've always used it as cha- for change to occur, you, you have to have three fundamental things. Dissatisfaction, fear, and resistance to change have to be far superior than your current situation. And I have the unique ability, and I, I think it's discipline more than anything, to be able to change without an earthquake, without cancer, without a fire, a drought, uh, without some massive event happening to me. And that has that is a uniqueness That's a good point. that that I've not I don't see in many people. A lot of it's just courage to to make decisions, and some of it is I I really am an expert in the space. So I and I'm a paranoid mortgage guy, right? I'm I'm we're only as good as our last deal. Our interest rates go up every second. I mean. I you live in and in, in paranoia as a leader and I've always been a leader without a I I call myself or our our people like we're we're sort of trapeze people without nets. <laughs> without right? Nets. We have no safety nets, right? We just fall if we fall, we fall hard. And and so when I when I came out of really one one of the things we did out of own it was we we, de- we I use a technique that that we we learned from the pilots, which is we called just debriefing the miss the mission, and we and we learned it from afterburners, a group that that taught us. But but it's, we call it a nameless, rankless debrief, and so we throw yep. our our titles in the middle, and we say, all right, what the heck happened? Why did it happen? And what are the opportunities that are going to come out? Uh, and so when we looked at the hole that the industry was digging in 06, uh, uh, we we pretty much began to craft what we see today as our business plan. And so my plan is really three three steps. One was to accumulate retail, which is was, was my view was going to be safe. I felt like they were going to blame the broker, the realtor was going to get away scot free. And the banks were going to take over scale. The banks hate the mortgage business, you know, in general. So yep. it wouldn't last very long. We knew that the government would subsidize the business until it uh, recovered. So we knew interest rates would stay low. And that is a target-rich environment, although it it wasn't target-rich for what I would call non-bank mortgage companies. And so we went into and I acquired uh, Skyline merged it with about six or seven other companies at that time. It, you didn't want to talk about legacy, it, so you had to have – Was it a roll-up strategy? Go ahead. Was it a, was no, it it was, it was, 
It sort of was, but you know, I was. It was a colonization of the West strategy, (laughs) right? So, (laughs) I'm rather than you know send the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria into Plymouth. You know, I basically have always thought that the West is one. A mortgage company wins if it can own the West, and so I started from the Pacific Northwest to San Diego and said I'm going to colonize the West with friends of mine. People that I've right. trusted, you know. that I've known, and have survived, right? Yeah. These are great Key. people. These people that have brokered to me or worked with me for a long time. So that group today is Skyline, and it's a traditional retail company, right? We we probably will do close to two and a half billion in just retail, and that that is a, a bunch of offices with a bunch of people. And but good people and their folks that we've known for a long time. Uh, we then started once we felt like the business would. We, we then felt the opportunity in this space is really twofold: products, because we basically went to one product, a 30-year fixed rate right. loan, and yep. we we chastised every other product, and then we labeled it almost crap, right in non-QM. Right. And then the second piece was technology because clearly the process is broken, right? We are an yes. analog industry in a digital world. So that's a great way to put I've it. spent I spent a bunch of time. So I raised, and the only thing that's different between now and 1980 for me, a or two interest rates are two instead of 20, and <laughs> it takes a lot more capital to do this. <laughs> Today, Massive. right? Because people yeah. view yep. you on a counterparty basis. They don't just view you as an approved. You know, it used to be you could get your Fannie Freddie license and off you could go and you could do that on a shoestring, but nobody banks you like that today. Uh, so now let's get into we. Yeah, go ahead. No, go we ahead. then I'm capitalized sorry. really. So I I brought in a bunch of capital, and I and, and this is the first time I'd, I'd really. Uh, done this with a the largest venture capital firm in Southern California's Upfront Ventures at the time they were yeah, named upfront, GRP, yeah. and Upfront basically came in with me and some very and you would know a lot of the people that have come in with me uh, because they're all household words or names of people yeah. in the business and so that group really has funded helped me fund the opportunity of really creating what we would call the next generation technology in this space, which we call uh, that business we're spinning out right now. We call that business Cloud Virga, and we call our platform the Intelligent Mortgage Platform. And then on the flip side, I'm building products, right? I'm building, uh, I know in your, you guys talked about it today of the non-QM business with whether it's Silver Hill or Bayview or, or whether it's Dan Pearl at, at, or whether you're yep. looking at hard money loans, I mean, you need you need products, and the products don't. I mean, think about it. I mean, just keep. It will change. I mean, I went from really night, really January of 1980 through 1994 in 30 year fixed rate. That's the only business I was in, and then from 94 on, there, when that business commoditizes. And and yep. your cost to produce goes way up. You will you will find religion as fast as you can find it, and you will need more <laughs> products, and you would need lower costs. Yeah. And so I well, spend all going. my time, yeah, creating products, yes. 
that that are off the beaten path that help consumers that are compliant that help consumers get on and and own a home. And then on the flip side, we spend we've spent all of our money really on building a new platform, a, a new origination platform. Fascinating. I, I want to get this over because I'm sure Joe's going to have some real interesting in the types of products you're doing. But, Joe, I'm going to toss the mic to you and let you get on to some of the opportunities that, that uh, Bill sees before him. Well, I'd, I'd, like, to get, I'd like to get Bill's uh, impression on where we stand as, as an industry and, and a marketplace uh, now and, and what he sees yeah. about the housing good. industry going forward. You know, it's an unbelievably good question because I, I, I have – I've labeled this in my discussion to people as we're in between. It's either toxic waste or it's home sweet home. Depending on the media has basically uh, chastised this industry to such an extent that it's confused the the the, the consumer. It clear it's frightened the millennials, but it's confused our consumer, and because we've locked down. The industry to just 750 FICO with 68 LTV, we've then locked out consumers. If you aren't a in default sort of, but I've kept my mortgage payment harp person, your HAMP, your HARP, your HOPE products have just not fit for you. So there's 40% of Americans who are still stuck in their home. They want to sell, they want to move, but they can't. And then there's there's this unique uh, uh, view that where where we're talking about how toxic uh, owning a home is, and so what that has done is basically created the largest single asset class that I've ever seen develop in a short period of time, which is single family rental. And so now I've got flippers buying homes instead of people, and they're buying homes that are not owner occupied because they don't want to comply with the owner occupancy laws. And that's where all the money on, on Wall Street goes, and it's just, just a shame. So now I'm yep. talking about peer-to-peer lending and crowdfunding, and everybody's excited about doing hard money lending and single-family residence, and all this money is flying at these people, whether you're lending club or lending home or Privlo or blah, 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 blah. Uh, and here we sit. Here we sit orphaned. Right as a as an industry, uh, and so it's a, it's really a, an embarrassment. And if you want to raise money, you you could raise money today in a, a usurious. I mean, every I mean Loan Depot. You guys talked about Loan Depot. Yeah. If Loan Depot would just be, I mean, here's the, they said if we were doing more personal loans, we yes. could have gotten a multiple that was much higher. Well, you got to yes. be kidding me. That's a I risk mean, factor. Personal loans. You the, and I can yeah. make. I can make a personal loan to you two guys in five minutes. That doesn't yep. mean you're going to yep. pay. Uh, but that gets so to the regulatory am, side. It gets to the it scares the bejesus out of everybody. It does, and that's why we have the regulatory environment that we have. And I, I'm going to go to Alice on this because when you look at what we need, Alice reports and all the things we're doing each and every week, or what's going on at, in Washington D.C. to keep things as they are in this "quote unquote." safe environment, but it's not bringing about the innovation of products. Alice? Well, right, Dave, that's exactly kind of where my brain's going. So, you know, as we talk about where is their entrepreneurship able to go in mortgage banking today 
underneath all this regulation. And the challenges are, you know, you're you're really tight, and really it is it starts to become technology, right? So maybe I've got a certain little bit of window out there for some non-conforming, you know, non-QM products, but how do I differentiate myself in a market today, right, with the compliance keeping us all, you know, pretty vanilla in a lot of areas? How can I be a differentiator? And a lot of that has to do with how fast I can uh, get my product through the door and how well I can execute on customer service. So I'd like to know your thoughts on that side of it. You know, how do you be an entrepreneur today in mortgage banking? Well, I think, Alice, it's a good good point, right? Because I use one slide in mine where I have the SAFE Act and, you know, all these different acts, that whether it's MDIA, Reg Z, uh, the, the new CFPB, you know, scaring the, uh, you know, almost having both your GSEs in default, uh, Dodd-Frank, LO Comp, Home Valuation Code of Conduct and what you have to do, RESPA, TRID, right? There is, we have done everything in our power to, uh, to over-disclose. I mean, look, this is a 30-year fixed-rate loan. I, I can't tell you. It isn't, doesn't change. It never changes. <laughs> it is always going to be yep. the same. I can't disclose that thing nine times, right? I disclose. I mean, so what has happened is we're analog. So even in Encompass, right, the most often used LOS in our space is probably E360, although you have you know, PC lender, and you have some others that are out there. At the end of the day, uh, we we comply with human spackle and people, and and we think we're complying. And on the flip side, we our originations are less compliant today with all these disclosures than they've ever been. Why? Because I have no idea what my loan officer says. And I have yeah. no idea how to digit, digitally – I've got 200 loan officers who are making quotes, right? Yep. I, I have – I and so I started the other way, which is <laughs> I think – so I'll, I'll start with first, innovate – I mean, the mortgage business, one thing that is funny is we got to be the only business, us and banking, that when you talk about innovation, it equals risk. Yeah. Nobody wants to talk about it. So so you see technology companies who who are talking about creating technology. Well, technology to our guys might be Optimal Blue or it might be Mavent or Compliance Ease or your businesses. Everybody's trying to figure out uh, how to connect. So we connect through our LOS engines to 25 to 30 disparate systems where we go out, grab an image, some information we need to re-verify something and bring it back in. As most of you know, I created Mindbox and Interthinks. So I've worked right. in technology and I've worked in relational databases for a long time. This is the first time that I've really said, you know, look, our cost to produce has gone, is quadrupled since I've been here at Skyline since uh, 07, 08, and 2009, right? So right. when you start looking at your non-employee costs going up, you look at your, your time to close going being extended, and you look at, I mean, our margins are at all-time, our gain on sale is at all-time highs. 
and barely were able to make money. I mean, you talked about Stonegate today. You pulled the IPO from Lone Depot. You've got all these people. There's, there's really, and why? Because the moment interest rates go up, our business goes into a tailspin. And we go into a tailspin because volume goes down, and we barely are making money today with the highest gain on sale we've had in an industry ever, right, ever. I mean, this is – you're yep. looking at 103.50 for a gain on sale. When I was in the subprime business at, at, at Own It with non-prime loans, we were doing 102.20 yes. as a gain on sale, <laughs> right? Yep. And, and what's more interesting and the reason why non-QM does not work is that non-QM is you can't – when you can do low coupon, low interest rate, high margin loans to the agencies – why in God's name would you do a high-coupon, low-margin loan, non-QM, and take all that risk? Right? Exactly it doesn't right. make any sense. So right. what's going to happen is interest rates are going to go up 100 bips at some point. We're all going to freak out, and everybody's going to try to figure out non-QM. And so yep. my view of that is I'm going to do it now. I'm bringing back everything I've ever learned everything I've ever did with First Franklin and Own It in products. And even with that, we can, we can barely originate a non-QM loan. Right? Why? Because everybody that. wants to do a VA loan or an FHA loan because yeah, yeah. they can yeah. well, jam that in at three and a half. I'm looking at the clock. We're out of time. It just drives me nuts. We, you know, what you're talking about is really the Wayne Gretzky approach to uh, – Go to where the puck is going to be before it's there, and I love that. That's what you're doing with these these non-QM products. I encourage you to keep going on it. You cannot believe the messages I have received while you've been talking. So many people know you, respect you, and several people says you're just getting this topic introduced. Please have Bill back soon. I want to know more about what it is. So you obviously have a very loyal following. This is a large audience just dialed in with cell phones and listening to you, Bill. And not to mention, I can't even see all the people that are are connected via the internet. So I want to say thank you so much for taking time to get a join us today. And then a lot of people are saying, "How can I reach Bill? I need to talk to him. I used to know him. I used to talk to him." So I mean, a lot of people. But give me how should people connect with you that want yeah, to Yeah, the simplest and they look, I am a open book, right? So I I there love talking with people and and so just use bill at Dallas Cap. See, it's the simplest one. I always hate yeah. using my Skyline cuz it's too long. Yeah. .com or just use my cell phone and text me. Right? Perfect. And what it, what is just your cell phone? 805-390-7468. You're one of the most accessible guys. If you want to get connected with him, he just gave you the information. Rewind the broadcast. Go download this broadcast. We are out of time. And I'm just, it's one of those things where you get into this. You go on, just keep on going. Thank you so much, Bill, uh, for joining us today. It's a real honor to have you here. It's real been just a real blessing in my life to have known you over the years that I have. And I just wish you continued success. And uh, keep on going. Who knows at 92 and a half, like Jack Guttentag, what you're going to be launching at hey, we that got, point. Uh, we got a lot of time left, don't we? I love we that. We do. No, thank I you, and it. thanks we for do. all that you do, David. Appreciate you, man. So good. Folks, it's so all good right, to have you join us. We are flat out of time. It just, this, you know, the broadcast, this hour just flies by. I appreciate Joe and Alice being here with us, all of you taking time to dial in. Uh, it's just so important that we continue to encourage each other in this industry. There's so many opportunities out there. We just scratched the surface of today's broadcast. 
Next week, we're going to have with us Andy Shell, who is at the accounting conference, the finance conference that the NBA is putting on. He'll be bringing us a report from that conference. If you want to tune in, dial in, tell others about it. Appreciate you being here with us. Have a great week, everybody. Look forward to seeing you back here next week. This has been Lincoln on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lincoln of Mortgage Banking Solutions, enabling executives to take their business to the next level. Today's guests were Joe Farr from MBS Line, Andy Shell of Mortgage Banking Solutions, and Alice Alvey, President CMB of Mortgage U. Come by next week and thank you for listening. 